God's plan comes together. And uh, Danny read for us from Acts chapter 2, verse 22 through 36. Now, uh, well, let me go ahead and pull up this slide here. In verse 23, he says it's according to God's plan. Verse 36, he says, now Jesus is both Lord and Christ. That's kind of the bookends for that section of scripture there. And that's what we're going to give consideration to uh, this morning. The importance of the book is what we want to... That slide did not come up correctly. This thing's been doing weird things here lately. So, three points. The importance of the book of Acts, the beginning, and we'll take a look at that, and then Acts uh, of Fulfillment. I'm going to see if this goes forward or backwards. Wow. Okay. We'll try that. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So, uh, Acts, the importance of the book. A couple weeks ago, we started in the book of Acts, and we did kind of an overview in our class. And so what I had thought about, because we're getting ready to go through that, I was going to do this lesson this morning also and kind of focus it on the book of Acts. And I had hoped everybody would be here to hear that, <laughs> but they're not. But I want to point out, as we start studying the book of Acts, the importance of the book of Acts. There's an old saying that goes like this, don't you love it when a plan comes together? Well, in the book of Acts, that's exactly what you see. You see God's plan come together. Let me give you just three passages to give consideration to as we get into this this morning. Remember Genesis 3 and verse 15? Satan had tempted Adam and Eve. They had given in to that temptation. And then God spoke to Satan and he told him, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he will crush or bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. At that particular point in time, nobody knew exactly what that meant. But God says, he will bruise your head. He will crush your head. And in so doing, you will bruise his heel. Now, now fast forward several thousands of years, and you come to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter in verse 9. And Paul said, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man what God has planned for those who love him. Man on his own did not understand how God was going to bring that about. But now when you take a look at Ephesians 3 and about verse 10 and 11, the apostle Paul says, that the manifold wisdom of God is now known or seen through the church, which he purposed in Christ Jesus before time began. God already had a plan in mind before the world was ever created. When Satan tempted Adam and Eve and sinned, he said, I'm going to cause his seed or her seed to bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Paul says, on our own, we did not understand that. But God revealed that plan. And Paul says in Ephesians 3, now you can see that whenever you take a look at the church. The Old Testament declares the coming of the Messiah. The Gospels reveal the arrival of the Messiah, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah. But it is the book of Acts 
that records the spreading of the good news of the Messiah. So Acts is that connecting link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And from the beginning in the, in the scriptures, it glorifies Jesus Christ. But Acts is the one that helps us to understand that glorification. God's story of redemption and how it all comes together. Someone has said, if the book of Acts were described in terms of a flower, Acts would be the rose. If Acts were described in terms of jewels, Acts would be the diamond. If Acts were described in terms of precious metal, Acts would be the gold. If Acts was described in terms of literature, it would be the Nobel Prize. Everything written before points to the book of Acts. Everything written after points back to the book of Acts. Without the book of Acts, the Old Testament is incomplete and its prophecies would be just left as baffling. Without Acts, the New Testament letters really make no sense. Knowing what takes place in the book of Acts is what gives the New Testament letters a point of reference. Understanding Acts, and get this point, understanding Acts is essential to understanding the Bible. You understand Acts, and you understand God's Word. That's why in Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, Peter says, by lawless hands, you took him and crucified him, but that was according to God's predetermined plan. God had already decided that's the way it was going to go. And then down in verse 36 is where he says, that same Jesus, he is now made both Lord and Christ. Christ, that's the anointed one, that's the Messiah. Because of what he did. And because of the life he lived. And because he was sinless, God raised him from the dead and made him both Lord and Christ. And that's what Peter was declaring there in the book of Acts. So think about the importance of it. And then secondly, well, we'll try again. A book of beginnings. Think about the book of Acts as a beginning. Oftentimes, whenever we think about the Old Testament, we think about Genesis, we oftentimes say, well, that was the book of beginnings. Well, when you come to the New Testament and you think about the book of Acts, you also think about it as a book of uh, uh, beginnings. I want you to notice over in the 11th chapter, Acts, Acts the 11th chapter, and about verse 15. This is Peter, and he says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Now, what's the situation there in Acts chapter 11? Back up to verses 1 through 3, and you kind of get an idea of what's going on there. Acts chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, 
those of the circumcision contended with him and saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and you ate with them. You see what's going on? See, Acts chapter 10, Peter had gone to the house of Cornelius. He was a Gentile. And he had taught them the gospel. And those back in Jerusalem heard about that. And so when Peter came to Jerusalem, they said, hey, come here. (laughs) We're going to have to talk about this. You went to uncircumcised men. And we want to know what's going on. And so down in verse 15, Peter is explaining that after Cornelius had told him, I received a vision to call you here and you would speak words whereby we would be saved. And Peter says, as I began to speak to them, the Holy Spirit fell on them just like it fell on us from the beginning. What's Peter saying? Men, brethren, you remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? And you remember how the Holy Spirit fell on us, the apostles? And I'm telling you, when I went there and I started to speak to them, the Holy Spirit fell on them. What's he saying? That was heaven's approval. That was God's approval. That what I was doing was the right thing. And he says, it fell on them. This is 10 years later. It fell on them just like it fell, the Holy Spirit, on us at the beginning. The beginning. And he's making reference back to Acts, the second chapter, when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Acts is a book of beginnings. In our English translations, we open it up and we say, well, here's the Old Testament and here's the New Testament. See? And it starts right here with Matthew. And you know what we need to understand about that? That's not exactly right. Because that New Testament doesn't begin right there. Actually, all of those accounts, those biographical accounts of the life of Jesus Christ actually belong to the Old Law and to the Old Testament. You remember what Paul told the church of Galatia? Or the churches of Galatia? In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus lived under, died under the law. You remember what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 9? That a will or a testament does not go into effect until after men are dead. See what he's saying? When did Jesus' will, his testament, his covenant go into effect? Not until after he died. So the events 
on the day of Pentecost and the start of the preaching of the gospel in its fullness, that's the beginning. That's what Peter says. Just like it fell on us at the beginning, the king is now reigning. His will has taken effect. And so now we preach the gospel. Because he sits now at the right hand of God. Remember Acts chapter 2 and about verse 38? We know that one, right? Peter had convinced them that they had crucified the Son of God. When it finally sunk in, what did they say? Men and brethren, what shall we do? Do you remember what Peter said? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And what? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. In the name of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? That means by his authority. Here's the old illustration we've used before, right? The police shows up at your house, they knock on the door and they say, open up in the name of the police by their authority. That's what Peter said. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. In the name of, by his authority. He now sits at the right hand of God. His will has gone into effect. And I'm telling you, by his authority, this is what you've got to do in order to be saved. And so that's what Peter tells him. His will is now taking effect. We now live under the New Testament. <clears throat> Not the Old Testament. But Jesus lived under that old law, right? So Acts chapter 2. That's the beginning of his rule, of his reign, the beginning of the kingdom. The king is now sitting on his throne. But Acts chapter 2 is the beginning of the church. We often refer to as the called out, right? And so how are people called out of the world to become a part of the Lord's Church. Well, Paul tells us over in 2 Thessalonians about verse 14, chapter 2 about verse 14. He says, you were called by the gospel. Paul helps to define that over in 1 Corinthians 15. When he says the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's what they heard on the day of Pentecost. They heard the gospel. And that's how they were called. And they responded to it. And in so doing, they became a special people. Connected to him in a special way. That's the importance of Colossians chapter 1 and about verses 12 through 14. 
where Paul says you have been translated, you have been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom you have the forgiveness of your sins. Can you see that? When did they receive the forgiveness of their sins? Peter explained in chapter 2, right? <laughs> Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Guess what happened? When they responded to that, then they were translated, they were transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus? Unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Well, what happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit inspired them to preach. And they asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter tells them. And they were born of the water and of the Spirit that day. Translated from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Called out. And in verse 47, what's it say? And the Lord was adding daily to the church. Such as should be saved. Why should they be saved now? Because they had responded to what Peter told them. By the authority of Jesus Christ, what they needed to do. The king reigning, sending the message of salvation. That marked the beginning. Tell you something else about that beginning. That was the first time ever. that God's people collectively would now be activated to persuade the rest of the world to become a part of God's people. Worldwide evangelism. Now, this message is going to go to everybody. Once again, back up, Acts chapter 2. After Peter had told them what they needed to do in order to be saved, what's he say immediately following that? He said, for this promise is made to you and to your children and to all those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. What did Jesus told them back in Acts chapter 1? You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the utmost parts of the earth. Now the message goes everywhere to everyone. That's why Mark 16 tells us, go preach the gospel to every creature and it started that day
all people called to be a part of this fellowship. Fellowship. Joint participation. Let me tell you something else about Acts. Sometimes it's been presented in twos. Acts marks that division of the two major divisions in the Scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament. It really marks that division. Acts itself has two major divisions. Acts chapter 1 through 12, and then Acts chapter 13 through 28. Acts 1 through 12, everything is pretty much centralized in Jerusalem and Judea. Acts 13, evangelism, the missionary journeys, it's going to go worldwide. Two major characters. Acts 1 through 12, it's the Apostle Peter. Acts 13 through 28, major character, is the Apostle Paul. Acts also helps us to understand, and we need to see this. Acts helps us to see and to understand the two major religious systems. There is Judaism, and then there is Christianity. Acts helps us to see how Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses and establishes the perfect law of liberty. Understanding these two systems and their relationship to one another is essential to appreciate and recognize God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. Acts is the beginning of the new system and the fading away of the old. Acts, our third point. I had been planning on getting a new computer, so this may uh, <laughs> be the motivation for that. Acts is a fulfillment, and we need to understand it that way. We need to see the importance, and we need to see that it's a book of beginnings, and we need to see that Acts is a fulfillment. Once again, I run this by you. Genesis 3 and verse 15, God had told Satan, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Thousands of years before that is ever fulfilled. And no one understanding exactly how God was going to work that out. And that's why Paul makes that statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and neither has entered into the heart of man what God has planned for those who love him. I don't understand. Without God's help. How is he going to do that? How is he going to crush? How is he going to bruise Satan's head? Take away his power. Paul says in Ephesians 3. Now. 
you see the manifold wisdom of God through the church. <laughs> Look at the church. And you can see how God saved people through Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. And that was according to his eternal purpose before the world ever began. God already had a plan. And that's why Peter says in Acts 2 and verse 36, he's now both Lord and Christ. 1 John 3 and verse 8, speaking about God's Son, it says that he was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Look at Jesus Christ. And now you can see how God was going to destroy what Satan had done. It's a fulfillment. Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. Moses had promised that God would raise up a, another prophet like him to whom everyone should listen. And now we know why. And now we know who that prophet is. Jesus is that promised Savior, that promised King, that promised prophet. In 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter, God had promised the Savior would come through the lineage of David. We'll be studying 2 Samuel before long. But God had promised over a thousand years earlier that that Savior would come through the lineage of David. I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 2 right quick. In verse 29 and 30. Acts chapter 2 verse 29. Peter says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. God had promised David long ago, through your lineage, I will set one on the throne and that that dynasty will last forever. Over in 1 Chronicles, about verse 17, David was told that the Messiah would be one of his sons. Isaiah, the second chapter. Isaiah spoke of the last days when salvation would come to all men. Peter quotes from Joel, the second chapter. And he says, in those days, the Lord will pour forth his spirit. Now Daniel 2. We could take a look at all those passages. We could spend a great deal of time. But I'll just kind of cut to the chase from Daniel chapter 2. Because Daniel had interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And he had this vision. And as Daniel interprets that vision, he describes to him four kingdoms. 
And we know from secular history who they are. It was the Babylonians. It was the Medo-Persians. It was the Grecians. And then it was the Romans. And Daniel had told him, in the days of these kings, this last empire, the God of heaven will establish his kingdom and that shall last forever. It'll have no end. Acts chapter 2 shows how all that came together. And I'll just reference this quickly because we'll be spending some time here as we go through Acts chapter 2. <laughs> and we'll talk about the Old Testament prophet Amos. And this is critical in understanding God's plan. That in Amos, the ninth chapter, through Amos, God said that he would restore the booth of David. Now, what's that mean? Some translations say the tabernacle of David. Some say the house of David. What that means is the dynasty of David. Because at the time of Amos, that dynasty was in ill repair. It was fading. And God promised through Amos, it won't be that way forever. They may not be following his kingdom now, but I'll restore it. Acts the 15th chapter. Remember that? Acts 15. They have the council at Jerusalem. Remember? And they're trying to decide whether or not they should have circumcision and the old law bound upon people. And James, the Lord's brother, after they had all spoke, he takes his turn. You know where he quotes from? Amos, the ninth chapter. And he makes reference to David's throne, David's dynasty. I should say. And how it's going to be restored. And the interesting contrast between Amos 9 and what James says in Acts 15. In Amos 9, he talks about how Edom had opposed God's people. Acts 15. James quotes from Amos 9, and he doesn't say Edom. You know what he says? The Gentiles. All of them will be called. And that's what James is making reference to. Brethren, <laughs> we now see how God has restored David's booth, David's dynasty, David's rule, and even the Gentiles are a part of it. And so we can no longer bind that old law on them because this is a new dynasty. Acts the 11th chapter. I'm about to wrap this up. The disciples, followers, learners, following Jesus Christ, 
In Acts 11, what's it tell us? And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. They follow Jesus Christ. Jesus had promised in Mark 9 verse 1 that there would be those standing there that would not taste death till they seen the kingdom come with power. In Acts 1, Jesus had promised them they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. So what's that saying? You're going to see the kingdom come with power. You're going to have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came. So we tie those together. That's when the kingdom came. That's when it started. And when they realized that they had crucified the Son of God, they said, what should we do? And Peter told them, salvation's here. And this is the way you can have it. Acts is a major key to understanding God's grand scheme of redemption. Acts is the hub of the wheel, as some have stated, and that everything else revolves around it and helps us to come to understand how he is king of kings and lord of lords, as Paul told Timothy over in 1 Timothy 6. Go to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you've never rendered obedience unto the king, we would encourage you to do that this very day. If you're a child of God and not been living as you should, you need to make your life right with him. This is the opportunity also. While together we stand, while we sing.